up, world? It's your past first point guard and trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making this show your first listen every day, free on all platforms, five days a week. Why not start every day listening to Locked On Blazers? That's Locked On Blazers, your team every day. Today's show, we're talking Blazers lost to the Utah Jazz. Justice Winslow made a case for him to get the starting small forward spot. And then we'll talk a little bit about Keon Johnson and Gary Payton the second. Let's start with the game, though. The Blazers played the second night of a back-to-back in preseason. Um, respectfully, that's stupid. It's dumb. The NBA should not have made them play back-to-back games, but it is what it is. They've already done it. Uh after losing last night to the Clippers in a game where they played pretty well and then and and lost, whatever, they lost to the Jazz tonight in a game I do not think they played particularly well. Uh, what was curious about this is like this is a, just kind of like perception. I was on press row and some that you know media members are more excited about the game than I am, and I was thinking watching this game like this they look awful. Am I crazy? Am I am I jaded? Am I have I have I lost it, right? Like am I am I the jerk? Is that, is that how is that how this is going? They look they just look so bad. They look like legitimately not very good. And um then after the game I asked Chauncey Billups kind of like where are you guys at on offensively? He says we're in preseason and he's and he's basically said we didn't play well. We didn't play well tonight. And I don't know if I felt vindicated, but I did feel a little bit of like relief like whew, okay, I also I got I kind of thought they were bad. Um, and then, like, I thought I was the hater on press row. Phew. Uh, f- f- uh, indeed. Like, they just looked disjointed. A ton of turnovers in the first half. Um, I thought they came out of the game. Uh, they ran the same set. Chauncey Phillips does this from time to time. They'll run the same. He'll call, like, an like a set and it'll be like they'll run it like a series and they'll run like the same set and go through it a couple different times getting different actions or looking for different reads out of the same set but basically just like hey let's like a series is maybe the way to call it it's like they're going to run the same play and look for different things out of the same play throughout the series they did it the first three times down the floor and i thought they got okay things it was a little clunky but they got okay looks and then they kind of went away from that and then trying to get into offense after that they they were just disjointed is the best way to say it. Like they just were a little bit clunkier than normal. I I don't think, um, again, as a caveat to uh, preseason stuff, no box scores, no scores. The games don't matter. What matters is what you see. What we saw is just a team that just didn't look sharp offensively. Didn't look sharp. This is their strength. Like the, the, their path to being good is being a really good offensive team because they've got some really good offensive talent. It, it's, it wasn't there in this game. It, it just, it, it just was, it, they just didn't have it. Dame looked fine. Not worry about Damian Lamont, all loaded senior. Um, he's, he's going to be fine. Uh, it's, it's sort of the rest of the gang and it's Dame finding offense within the motions that they want to run and not just him kind of hunting it. Um, I, I thought they looked a little messy. Uh, you know, after they went away from that early series that they ran, they just, you know, a little slower getting into stuff. Billups talked about how uh, one of the things they're really talking about, like the big emphasis for them offensively is to get into the paint and then kick and and force a closeout because they want teams to attack closeouts because they think that's, um, they want defenses to be closing out because they can attack closeouts. They think, you know, that's where teams don't want to be and you're catching defenses in places you don't want to be. So they, he said they got into the paint okay the first time, but then when they kicked it out and someone else had to drive or attack off a closeout, the decisions were bad, the drop-offs were bad, the spacing was bad. It's like 
they got step one, but they couldn't get step one and a half or step two or step three of the offense there. And I, I really did feel like it was a little clunky. Um, Billups specifically cited a bad second quarter. He said they were just bad in the second quarter. I agree. Uh, but I thought it was that whole first half. They're just a little clunky. They didn't play poorly. This wasn't like they played bad. Like last year in the preseason, I want to be clear about this. They were bad. <laughs> they had some bad games last year in the preseason, just straight up where they weren't good. Um, that's not this. Like the first preseason game against the Clippers left me feeling pretty excited about the team. Uh, not like, oh, this is this is a high-level playoff team, like championship stuff, but like, hey, this team's got some stuff. They got some intriguing parts. I like Jeremy Grant and all these things, right? Like, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm starting to like, I was like starting to see the vision. It was coming together a little clearly. Coming off of this game against the Jazz, again, second night of a back-to-back, all of those things, like obvious caveat supply for why you'd be sloppier. You're tired. You just played. They had to travel. Um, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, there are some clear, obvious reasons why this game would be worse, but also there were some clear, obvious examples of this game just kind of being ugly. Every time he still finds his shot, um, he, there's moments when it looks really good for Ant and moments where it just looks like he doesn't know where he fits. Um, I, I thought the second unit just didn't have any flow. They went to a second unit where it was Ant and, um, and Nazir Little and Josh Hart and Drew Eubanks and uh, and eventually Shaden Sharp and that group just didn't did not know how to get into offense that was going to work. Uh, some of that is just Shaden Sharp's young and is not ready to go right now. Um and and kind of bogging down a little bit of the offense from the wing spot, but like just a little clunky. Nothing. I I don't think this was like a big deal. I I don't want to oversell that. Like I think hyperbole sells on the internet. I'm not trying to sell you hyperbole. I came away from this game thinking like, oh, that was gross. The end. <laughs> uh, you know, there was there there's some like sort of notable stuff that you need to know from this game. Stuff it's stuff from the notebook all empty a little bit here. Um, we got Yusuf Nurkic played 21, uh, 22 minutes, just right around right just over twenty two minutes and fouled out. Uh, I like that Chauncey Billups left him in. He wasn't going to play the fourth quarter anyway, so he just let him go and he fouled out with like seven minutes left in the third quarter. Oof, oof. Um, a little deeper than that, rather. Six minutes left in the third quarter. But, like, oof, oof. Bummer. Um, he didn't, he, he did not play well. He, you know, he missed a three-pointer and compounded it by coming down and fouling out and committing his sixth foul. Just kind of just not a great Nurk game. Josh Hart took one shot in the half court in this game. He had one bu- bucket. It was in transition. He took one shot in the half court in this game, according to my notes. Didn't even count as a field goal attempt because he got fouled and got to the free throw line. Hart's got to find a way to be more aggressive. Part of the clunkiness is just like he's, there were times when he could have shot threes and didn't because he's, you know, he's more of a slasher type. He drives into the teeth of the defense. His teammates maybe were expecting him to shoot or they aren't ready to, to, to be available there. Like just clunky stuff like that. Billups didn't sound, I will say this, Billups was pretty frustrated post-game. Uh, I don't think he was like dejected or or d- deeply disheartened or anything, but he was pretty frustrated post-game. More frustrated than than I've seen him and more frustrated than I expected him to be, quite frankly. He seemed a little frustrated with, with their execution. Uh, in general, if they're okay next week, uh, they're, they're going to play an international team, uh, Maccabi from uh, from the Israeli league on Thursday, and it doesn't sound like the regulars are going to play very much. So it's it, next week they'll play a couple preseason games. Typically the final preseason game of the year is not a game where regulars play. So we're really looking at one final game against Sacramento in the preseason. The problem is the Blazers play the 
Kings at the beginning of the regular season schedule. So really, there's just not a lot of... We're not going to see a lot more of the Blazers in preseason. This was a game to play a little bit better. Unfortunately, it was the second night of a back-to-back, and unfortunately, they didn't play very. They didn't play that much better. Not, um, not a, a like, again, not a not a, like an indictment or a, like a big red flag. But for me, notably, kind of a gross game. Um, I, I'll say this one more time. Last year in the preseason. They were horrific. They got shelled by good teams, and it was a clear red flag that they were not ready to be competitive in the regular season. I don't think that's what this is, but I do think it is a yellow flag, a cautionary tale that says like, yeah, they've got, they have stuff to work on, and and the fluidity on offense absolutely has to come. Finding a balance between Damon and Free Simons, finding and getting a balance when he plays with by himself with the second unit. All of those things. They, they they just need a little more seasoning. They need to be a little sharp. Uh, Wednesday's an off day. Thursday's a game day. They're going to practice Friday and Saturday. they got some important practices to kind of get it together before we head into the regular season. Because, again, they're just not going to play that much more in the exhibition season in, like, games that are truly meaningful. Um, they're not, like... None of the games are truly meaningful, but like in games where you can really like do your stuff. This was one of their chances to really do their stuff, and they kind of fell short against the Jazz. Uh I want to talk about Justice Winslow. He got the start in this game, and um, I think he made a compelling case to maybe be the guy. Let's talk about that in the second segment. But before we do that, I want to tell you about prize picks. It is the daily fantasy option that I have really enjoyed playing in the past, and I think you will too. Let me tell you a little bit about it. It is... um, it's it's you pick an entry between two and five players, super easy to play. And if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, prize picks also does rebounds, assists, whatever it might be, you win money. You don't have to get you can pick up to five players per entry. You don't have to get all five right. You can win money for getting three out of five, for getting four out of five. And they don't offer just the NBA. They got the NFL, they got MLB, they got NHL, they got golf, they got college football, they got uh, men's and women's college basketball, soccer. Uh, when WNBA's back, they were rolling along with WNBA. You can make the entry super quick. It takes 60 seconds. You can get your money quick with safe and, fa- safe and fast withdrawals. And it's currently operational right now in 30 states and Canada. So it might be available in your area. I know for my Oregon listeners, it's available for us here. And again, I've really enjoyed playing it. I think you will too. So download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. I use the app. It's pretty it's pretty smooth and clean. Uh, and you can play daily fantasy sports. For, first time users can receive a instant 100% deposit match up to $100 if you use the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Price Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Price Picks will give you $50. How about that? Don't forget, enter the code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to a hundred bucks. All right. Let's keep it rolling. Justice Winslow got the start today. If you'll recall, in game one of the preseason, Josh Hart got the start, and, and Chauncey Phillips had told reporters prior to that that he was going to cycle through all of the all of the small forward options. Josh Hart, Justice Winslow, Nazir Little. Probably we will see Nazir Little start in Sacramento next week. Uh, it sounds like, like I said, it sounds like the Vets aren't really going to play on in Thursday's game. So it's... Nas has a chance to make his case. I thought Josh Hart made a pretty compelling case in Game 1. I think Justice Winslow made a pretty, pretty compelling case in Game 2. I think Nazir Little has very, very clearly been the worst of the small forward options. More on that in a moment. Let's start with Justice Winslow. 
he's okay in that starting group. I thought it was going to be a little clunky with him and and uh, Yusuf Nurkic. And again, the offense as a whole was clunky, but I think you could see the little bits and pieces here that you can take away. Again, yellow flag, not red flag for me. Just Swinzel's so sturdy. He can switch and pretty much guard anyone. He can pass. He's a competitive rebounder. He's not just on switches. Like he's an active defender as a help side defender. He's got really good hands. Um, he doesn't take three-pointers, and that could be a problem in the future when, if, depending on how the Blazers get guarded, like send double teams, don't guard Justice Winslow and make him shoot. Um, it certainly could be a strategy in the future, but he doesn't really take threes, and, and I, I mean that as a compliment. Justice Winslow mostly takes shots he can make. He crashes to the rim. He's super left-handed. He, he goes for offensive rebounds. He cuts baseline. Uh, you know, to, to free him up self in space, try to work, try to work the dunker spot, which is like the right outside the lane on either side and the short baseline areas, what's known as a dunker spot or X. If you really want to get into NBA parlance, the X spot, uh, he, he, he kind of gets those angles really well. He's a smart, high IQ basketball player. I was a little worried about him playing next to Yusuf Nurkic in the starting lineup to add two non-shooters. I don't really think that was... Um, I don't think that was the problem with the Blazers. I think the problem was just like they ran the actions poorly and not as sharp. And um, they just, they didn't get themselves easy buckets by strong execution. Sure, some of that might be Winslow's, you know, uh, lack of uh, lack of sort of scary off-ball juice that prevents the Blazers. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm not, maybe wasn't initially in favor of him winning the starting role. But I think watching this game, particularly in the first quarter, I was like, yeah, he'll be he, if he is the choice, and I don't think he will be. I think it would. I think it will be between Josh Hart and Nas. But again, Nas hasn't really done himself any favors in this preseason. Uh, I don't think Justice Winslow will be a bad choice. He he would be okay at that spot. Um, he he's he's got enough skills and enough complementary stuff to be useful there, and the defense pops like he can he can help. He is not as nearly the offensive creator that Josh Hart is. He doesn't have the offensive, close to the offensive upside that a young and, you know, budding Nazir Little can get Two, The problem is Nazir Little hasn't gotten there. He's been bad in the two preseason games. He looked like a guy kind of pressing a little bit um, in the first game. And then in this uh, second game, he just looked like a guy who didn't know where his offense was going to come from. Uh, I don't know if he looked slow, but I think he looked a little indecisive. Um, you know, his one bucket came when he was on the weak side. The whole defense shifted over. He was in the far weak side corner. The whole defense was shifted over to where the ball was. They threw a skip pass to him over the top of the defense. He was able to attack straight line drive and dunk on a, on a nice little baseline move. That's where his offense is going to come from. Little stuff like that. Um, he doesn't, you know, he's not going to get a bunch of pull-up individual offense. Um, the, you know, in the, in the game one, he scored on a putback dunk. Like that's that's where his offense is going to come from. The shooting hasn't been there for him. I don't think that's a big deal over two games, but just in general, where he fits and sort of the the his decision making when the ball is in his hands has has not been good. Has not been good, and he has not really shown to me, like really flashed on defense the way that both Josh Hart and and uh, Justice Winslow have a, had enough flashes on defense to, me, to for me to be convinced that oh yeah hey those guys can help a little bit there. I thought Nas was going to be absolutely going to be that guy, absolutely going to be that guy, and he wasn't um, in this game, and he hasn't been through two games. I still think he could end up the opening night starter, and. I'll talk about this more in the in the third segment to close the show, but like 
he hasn't shown it. Uh, what you put on film isn't everything, but he hasn't shown, you know, me, the podcaster, who's not privy to the practices. If we're just judging by what we've seen on the court, hoping that like in most ways, in some ways that translates from practice and film and preparation to when you play, Nas has been the third, the you know, has been number three among the three potential candidates to start a small forward. Chauncey Billups reiterated again before the uh, game that he might go by committee, which uh, would mean that he would change by the matchup who he starts. I don't believe he means that. And quite frankly, NBA players do not, NBA guys want roles. They want a, they want to know what their role is. I don't think that's like yanking a guy around. Um, There's other coaches who are more fluid with their starting lineups. Um, Some who are uh, celebrated like Greg Popovich and Steve Kerr, like some of the best that have ever done it. Two of the best coaches in the history of the sport. Um, I think highly of Steve Kerr. Uh, They, uh, you know, they're, they're more fluid with their starting lineup. So certainly it could happen. I don't think it's outrageous, but I just know like from my time around NBA locker rooms and the seven, eight years I've been doing this, NBA dudes want solid plan. Know what, know when my subs are going to come, know when my minutes are going to come, know why I roll, know my ask every single night. Uh, a role and a solidified role gives guys comfort, gives, makes players enjoy it better. So makes players enjoy like coming to work because they know what the deal is. Um, so I don't think it'll be by committee. I think someone wins out. And right now, I think Josh Hart made a case in game one that was totally viable and it would be fine, I think, if he starts at the three. And Justice Winslow really impressed me in this game um, in terms of, like, its viability. I don't think the Blazers played really well by any means, but I don't, uh, to me, just watching, and I didn't, you know, I haven't, like, poured over the game tape or whatever, I don't think Winslow was the problem. Although, admittedly, the offense was a little clunky, and one of my concerns about uh, about Justice Winslow is that the offense would be a little clunky with him. So maybe I'm missing the obvious correlation that I um, that I was drawing beforehand. But I don't think you know just watching the game up close. I that was not uh, the impression I got. I thought he was fine, and it was more like holistic, poor movements, slowly getting into stuff for pointing you go there, you go there type of confusion that was holding the Blazers back. All right, in the third segment to close the show. I want to talk a little bit about Keon Johnson, who is uh, has has played well enough that it's going to force Chauncey Billups to make some decisions, and that decisions will have a lot to do with Gary Payton the second. That's what we'll talk about to close the show. Join me there, won't ya? Still a pass first point guard. I'm still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked On Blazers. Keon Johnson has made a case for himself to be part of the the opening night rotation. However, some of Keon Johnson's opportunity will be dictated by the availability of Gary Payton II. They're just they play they're going to play a similar role. Uh, they're not super similar players. Uh, Gary Payton is. Uh, you know, Keon is like a backup point guard. That's like his spot in the future, right? Like that's, or maybe a spot in the future starting point guard. But like it's, he's a one in his, the best version of himself. Gary Payton's like a, a four or something in the best version of himself. He's like a weird hybrid forward. And he's going to play a lot of minutes at small forward, I think, for this team this season. They're both competitive defenders. Gary Payton is a way better, or has been a way better defender, like significantly better defender, miles and miles ahead in terms of NBA production than Keon to date. Um, and Keon has more individual offense than than, than GP possesses. Uh, and But 
the way they would fit in the rotation, if you need someone who's about that size to play about that role, the back end of the rotation, eighth, ninth man minutes, you're probably choosing each night between Keon and Gary Payton. And Gary Payton got paid to play. They didn't give Gary Payton $9 million to sit behind Keon Johnson. Eventually, it could come to that, sure, because Keon is, has been good and been helpful. In this game, Keon's early defensive activity in the first quarter was excellent. His decision-making in transition was pretty darn good. And he just flashes enough positives that you say, this guy can help. Um, not like, this dude has to play, this dude has to start all these things, but like, Enough positives, and particularly on defense, with his activity and his active hands, he gets in passing lanes. He, you know, he pokes balls free from dribblers. He, he, he blew up a little, like would be handoff with Kelly Olynyk at the top of the key. Like he's active. He's active on defense. His activity um, is is has real value to it. And if and if there wasn't this Gary Payton the second who has not played and might is still recovering from abdominal surgery, core surgery that could keep him out early in the regular season. And then Keon's going to play. Then there's no question. Keon is going to play because there won't be, um, they'll need his minutes and he's shown that he's capable of, if that, if that is the ask he's capable of executing. And I wouldn't be worried about Keon at all, but if GP's healthy, I think you're making a choice and eventually GP is going to be healthy and you're going to have to make a choice. And I think you, for, you know, for both what Gary Payton has been in the league and what you paid Gary Payton to be on this roster, he's going to get the, the first, second and third chances to play in that role. And then Keon's role will either won't exist or will be drastically reduced as the 10th guy off the bench. But I asked Chauncey Billups about this. And I also asked jazz coach Will Hardy about this. Because I am curious about how NBA coaches approach it. In the past, and I've talked about this with Terry Stotts, um, I'm just most familiar with Terry. I covered his, you know, four years of four and, four and plus seasons uh, regularly every day as a beat reporter. So I've, I've had a lot of just sort of ph philosophical conversations about how he approaches or NBA philosophy conversations with him. So I'll use his example first and I'll get back to the present tense. Terry would, Terry would, has told me that in the preseason, there he placed much more value on what you'd see in camp and what you'd see behind the scenes working with guys than he would in the games. Because while the games mattered, they were weird or you'd be playing with different pairings or you're talking about like you gave him seven minutes and he wasn't very good in seven minutes, but you've seen him all summer long. You've seen him all camp long. You know he can contribute. Let's, let's, there's more value. Like the behind the scenes stuff had a little more value than, than what you put on film, than what you actually do when you're, when you're out on the court playing. That was, you know, um, his philosophy. So I asked, curiously, I asked Chauncey Billups and Will Hardy, the Utah Jazz head coach, about that. Like how they weigh the difference between what they see behind the scenes and what we see. Because what we see is such a small fraction. Um, you know, even I was, you know, lucky enough to be in the gym tonight. Like even, like, it's not like I'm seeing anything significantly different than you're seeing on the couch on TV, right? Like it's, it's, it is a very little small snippet. I just have a different viewing angle or whatever. Um. And I was curious about that. And Billups said he'll weigh a little bit of everything, and but that the games do matter to him. Like, absolutely what you do when the game matters because you can't simulate playing NBA basketball in camp. And I thought that was pretty curious.
because uh, one, it's, it's the exact opposite of what the previous coach would do. And I think it's curious when, you know, smart NBA minds take different approaches. I, I think that's sort of the beauty of basketball. So I asked Will Hardy, this first year head coach of the Utah Jazz, who's coached a total of one preseason game and asked how he would approach it or how he plans to approach it moving forward. The Jazz in both of their games have used basically the 10-man rotation that they're going to use during the regular season and then treated the fourth quarter to be the end of the bench guys. I uh, talked to some jazz reporters and they kind of explained that to me and that's what the jazz did again tonight. So clearly he has a plan and he's kind of giving his team a chance to execute it on the court. But like from what he's seen prior to that, he's kind of made some decisions about what the lineup will look like. And Hardy said that for him, as he learns on the fly, he has to weigh all of it pretty much equally because what he knows and has seen on the practice court matters. But like, he just hasn't been around the team long enough to dismiss one as more valuable than the other. So that's three NBA coaches with three specifically different approaches. One who says the practice stuff, the behind-the-scenes stuff, the work with coaches is more valuable. One who says playing the actual games is the most valuable. And the other who says, like, I got to take all the data I can get and roll it into one because we just have to, we have to learn as much as we possibly can. So valuing one over the other because we think it's more predictive doesn't do us any good. Three coaches, three different approaches. I love it. Brings me back to the Keon versus Gary Payton thing. If the games matter, Keon Johnson is ahead of him in the rotation. If the, what you have seen on film prior to this, what you've seen, you know, I don't think Gary Payton has done very much in camp, but like what you know him to be is more valuable, then you go with Payton. If it's both, you probably still lean Payton because you, his contract situation and all of those things matter. But if if you believe Chauncey, Keon Johnson can go... You, it's hard to steal someone's job when you're injured, and Billups has talked about in the past that he doesn't want to give a guy's job away if they're hurt. But, like, if the games matter, Keon Johnson has climbed up there... I don't think he's past Gary, Gary Payton by any means, but he's climbed up there where there is a there is a real conversation that needs to be had when the games start and count for real... Can we keep Keon out of the rotation? Or do we have to find seven to nine minutes for him? You know, it, because he absolutely needs to play like a four-minute, three to six-minute shift each half because we have to get him on the court because he's been too useful. I think the philosophy and the approach will help determine what that choice is. I think that in general, the choice is pretty obvious. is going to be Gary Payton. But if the games matter, Keon Johnson has made a compelling case that he can help. I talked to Keon today for something I'm working on that uh, you will hear in the future. And he said that he felt like the first time he played an NBA game was Monday night against the Clippers because he finally felt like he was playing like himself. Finally felt like he was putting it together and able to be like a guy who could be competitive at the NBA level. He said before that, he, he barely counts it as him playing in the NBA because he wasn't all the way there. Keon's been pretty impressive in this two-game stretch of the exhibition season. I hope he gets a little role some way, somehow, when the season starts, because I think they, the Blazers owe it to him to give him just at least a shot to prove that he belongs in the rotation. But if he doesn't, it's totally reasonable. Like, it's a reasonable decision why they wouldn't. They have a lot of guys at his spot. He's a guard on a guard-heavy team, and if he can't find a way to crack the rotation, it's just because of his co-workers less so than his production on the court. That is going to do it for today's show. In tomorrow's show, we got more fun stuff. Uh, we'll talk NBA uh, 
look around the league. What's what's happening across the league? We'll talk NBA GM survey. It's going to be a whole bunch of fun. Uh, Friday show. We'll talk their preseason game. Next week we'll we'll round out our uh, player preview series and talk look ahead to the season with a couple of the recaps of the final preseason games, and then it'll be here. It is the regular season is upon us. Tell your friends about this podcast. If you are a new listener and you've made it this far in this episode. Thank you for listening or watching if you're a YouTube viewer. I appreciate you. If you are a YouTube viewer, subscribe to the podcast or subscribe to the show. Subscribe to the channel right below you right there. Hit that button so you know whenever we post a new episode. We post one five days a week. If you're an audio listener, subscribe. However you're listening to this, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Then do me a favor, regardless of how you are ingesting this. Tell your friends about this show. Say, I'm listening to this Blazer podcast that I enjoy, and I think you'll enjoy it too. Check out Locked On Blazers, available wherever you want to find it, wherever you get podcasts, and also on YouTube. I appreciate you listening, and I will talk to you soon.